0: Our scripture today is John chapter 18, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 19. And what we've been doing for the past few weeks is just reading through the uh, the last night of Jesus with his disciples, and then the arrest, and going before the high priest, and today before Pilate. Next week, we will read about the crucifixion, and the following re- week, his death and his burial, and the darkness of that day. And then three weeks from today, we will have a glorious celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. When we talk about the fact of the resurrection, and we give tremendous hope for the, for the glory, for the blessings of God In our lives. And I want to ask you to please bring a friend, please bring family with you, please encourage them to come and worship with you and hear about who God is and what God has done for us. So today we're in John chapter 19, excuse me, John chapter 18, verse 19. Jesus has just been betrayed by Judas and denied by Simon Peter. The scripture says this. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly in the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Jesus was bound, we assume with hands behind his back, maybe in front of his back, but he was bound, slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest he demanded? If I've said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, Are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. For now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. So Pilate said, take him yourselves, judge him by your own laws. And at this point, what they wanted to do came out clearly. They said, but we have no right to execute anyone. And they obviously wanted him executed. John says this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Pilate said, am I a Jew Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate? With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? No, not him, they shouted. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. I said earlier, it's easy to go to church and just kind of miss the point of everything. Many of you were raised in church, some one church or another, and so you're accustomed to going to church and kind of just enduring and listening through and not thinking much about it. I was raised in church. It's easy to do that in church. But what God wants us to do is to listen to him. What God wants us to do is to hear what he has to say to us. And a great thing to happen when you come to church or when you get up first thing in the morning on Sunday is to ask the question, God, what do you want me to get from this? Sometimes we miss the great power of church because we're thinking about ourselves and not thinking about God and not asking God, what do you want us to get? So I want to ask you today, what does God want you to get from this? What does God want to say to me? What does God want to say to all of us as the family of God and the people of God? Because these are powerful lessons that we're receiving here. When I I studied through this this week, four things, four words jumped out at me from this passage of Scripture. The first of them is the word... Truth. Pilate asked the question of the day. It's somewhere around AD 30, but it could have been, it could be put in a different context, and you would think it was said this week by somebody in a high place of authority. Pilate asked, What is truth? with the indication that truth is whatever I say it is or whatever I want it to be or whatever kind of rules the day. There's nothing you and I need like truth. The truth that comes from the God who created us. The truth that comes from the God who knows your DNA sequence and your emotions. The God who created you and gave you a purpose for your existence. There is nothing that we need than that kind of truth. The kind that comes from God. John said again and again in John chapter 8, the truth will set you free. Jesus said... Father, your word is truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. And in these first verses, when he's talking with Pilate, these are the things that are said. He tells him about the truth. He speaks the word of God. Jesus said, To Caiaphas, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all all of the Jews come together. Why question me? My word is an open record. It's kind of like having a recording or a videotape. My word is an open record. You want to know what I said? Go back and play the tape. Go and ask somebody. They heard me. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, I'm I'm speaking to you openly. I'm speaking with transparency. I'm speaking with frankness. Truth is something that needs to be examined. I would never tell a person who disputed the Word of God, you you just have to believe it, because I don't think that's the way you have to do it. I think if you would read the Word of God, you would see it as it is. And so when there are those who dispute or, or, or question or who are skeptical, read the Scripture. Read the Gospel of John, just 21 chapters. Not that long at all. An hour or so. You read through all of it. Read it. What does it say? Does it sound like truth? Is it true to life? Truth, truth should be examined. It should, you shouldn't be afraid to ask, is it true? I mean, after all, we, we've seen enough doctored videos to ask, is that the truth? We need to ask that. Jesus came to speak to us the truth, and we need the truth. A second thing that God wants us to get from this passage of Scripture Is what my soul longs for. It's what my mind searches for. It's what my emotions are moved by, and that is the word hope hope that that there is strength for today, hope that there is assurance for tomorrow that when i put my life in the hands of god that god is right there with me giving me what i need now we all want assurance for eternity and we all want to know that we that we're going to be with god forever and we all want to know that that we can know that we have eternal life in fact first john was written that you may know that you have eternal life. And so obviously it's something that can be known. So we all want to know that. But what we really want to know is not, not what's going to happen down the road because not one of us here thinks we're going to die today or tomorrow. So we're not that urgent. It may be urgent. It may be very urgent, but none of us feel that way. But do you know what we feel urgency about? We want to know, can I make it to the end of the day? Can I make it to the next vacation, to the next day off? Can I make it with my family? Can we feel any hope? Hope means strength for today and assurance for the future. And God sent His Son to give us hope. These events that are happening right here are where we get the hope that comes in Christ Jesus the Lord because He became the once and all sacrifice for our sin. And He came to take our place. Hope means that you... You you know God, and you experience forgiveness. Let me tell you what helps me with to be hopeful. It's when I regularly read from God's Word. It is when I offer my schedule, my struggles, my anxieties the things I have to get done, when I offer them to God and ask God to get involved in my life, I am usually done with anxieties and worries and stress. I have no idea whether that works in anybody else's life. That works in my life. If I spend time in God's Word, if I offer God what I am going through in life, I do, I have tremendous hope that, that this day is going to be a good day, that it's going to be a day in which God is honored and lifted up. God came to give us hope. And he wants us to have it. And there is no reason for any of us to live without hope. Because God gave his son for you and me. Because he wants us to know forgiveness. Because he wants to live in the presence of God. He came to give us Hope. There's a third word here, and it's the word home. Actually, the word is not used in this passage of Scripture. Jesus talked about his kingdom, and he talked about that he was born for this. Pilate asked, are you really the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, are you asking for yourself, or are you asking because someone talked to you about me? Then they leave it, and then they come back to it, and Jesus says, I was born for this. If if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would have fought to keep me from being arrested. But my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. My kingdom is an eternal kingdom. I was born to this to testify of the truth and to gather the people of God together. I want to say to you, there is no word like home. What a magnificent word that is. I always want, when, when you talk about home, it fills you with happiness and joy. 17 years ago, Hurricane Katrina hit us, and it hit hard, even on the North Shore. It hit really hard. New Orleans, of course, was completely, almost totally flooded. So about six months later, I went home uh, to my mother and and uh, went with her. And uh, while we were there, I don't know how all that happened. While we were there, I have an aunt, my mother's sister who was there, and her husband. I was in their wedding a long time ago when I was about this tall. Very special people. I love them deeply. Uh, My uncle has now passed away. But he said some things that just kind of made me unhinged. And I think Martha thought she was going to have to come here and do this. He just was firmly convinced that New Orleans ought to be abandoned. Just close up the shop, close the the gates around it, and leave it. And the whole area—it's so prone to hurricanes, so prone to flooding. We all just quit. And I don't think I've ever talked to him that way before or since. But I said two things. Number one, you abandoned New Orleans. You abandoned. The history of the country, War of 1812 and the Louisiana Purchase and all of those other things. And I said, and the second thing is this. It's home. And you can't abandon home. Well, God sent his son to create a home home. That would be our home. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And remember, he said, in my father's house are many mansions or many rooms. And I go there to prepare a place for you. Right now, what is Jesus doing? Interceding for his people and preparing a place for us. And it is home. He is the king and we're going to be a part of his kingdom. And who is that kingdom going to be? Revelation 5. That's going to be made up of all people, all nations, all languages, all tribes. It's interesting the way it's put together. Who's going to be a part of the kingdom of God? People and nations and kingdoms and tribes. And you and I get to be a part of building that kingdom. We get to do it right here in this church building with the people of the family of God. We get to see people saved and baptized. We get to see them and now who are part of the kingdom of God and who have a home. There are a couple of new members in our church. They are from Nigeria. I hope they don't mind my just mentioning them. They're delightful people this week I read this now we're part of Southern Baptist. Southern Baptists do two things they send missionaries and they preach the gospel that's ba- and we believe the word three things I'd put those three things in there we we were started in 1845 four years later, 1849. A couple left Richmond, Virginia, went down the James River, got into the Atlantic Ocean, made the journey to Africa, went to Nigeria, and started teaching and preaching the gospel. For two years, no one believed. And then they had their first Convert. Every now and then, you know, we give. We give for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Every year, we give extra money for it to send missionaries. And sometimes I know we always wonder: is it really doing any good? Are we making any difference around the world? I mean, those are those are questions that need to be asked. We need to know that. 1849. To 1851, no converts, one person saved. Today in Nigeria, there are 10,000 Baptist churches. God is building a kingdom. He's building a kingdom of which there will be no end because there'll be no end to him. He is building his kingdom, and he wants us to understand the significance and the meaning of home. But there's a fourth thing that we need to get from this, and there's a fourth thing that all of us need. We need truth. We need hope. We need a home, and we need a Savior. We need a way to enter into the kingdom of God. We need a way in which the door to God is made open and all of those things that get in the way are taken away and we belong to him and we are his. We need a Savior. And we read this because it's about a Savior. And we read this because it's about hope and about a kingdom. The last part we read was about Pilate asking, you you want me to release a prisoner? Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They said, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. And John just kind of puts the statement at the end for you and me because everybody would have known about it in that day. Barabbas was a rebel, he led uprisings. He was a murderer. He was a thief. Give us Barabbas. It seems that the world apart from God would always rather have a bandit, bandit than have the real king. We so desperately need A Savior. We need our lives changed. We need the way to God opened up. Because remember, the, the, the sinless Son of God came to save sinners. We cannot do that ourselves. There's nothing within us that is right. Do you know what the Bible says? There is none who is righteous. Then, just to make sure we all understand what it means no, not one. There is none who is righteous. Then how do we get to heaven? God sent his son. We have a savior who came from heaven to take on our sin. Our sin separates us from God. And so 2 Corinthians 5.21 kind of explains it. He who knew no sin, that's Jesus the sinless son of God. He was perfect moral purity. I'm always amazed. Who are the people who called him sinless? Not somebody who had never met him. Not somebody who is looking back into history. John, who is closest to Jesus, called him sinless. The writer of Hebrews, we're not exactly sure who it was, but he called him sinless. This is the sinless son of God. So he who knew no sin took Your sin upon himself. Just think about Jesus taking on a a ton of sin and trying to carry it. He bore our sin. And since we have no righteousness, there's none who is righteous, none, not one. No, not one. Since we have no righteousness, how do we get to heaven? How do we have our sins forgiven? How are we made new? How does that happen? It's an absolute impossibility. It's foolishness. I'm going to stand up at the door of heaven and knock on the door and say, God, I deserve to be there. That's foolishness. And it's foolishness toward ourselves more than anyone else. So how does that happen? He who knew no sin took our sin upon himself so that we might have a righteousness that allows us to be in the presence of God. It's the exchanged life. It's the great exchange. He who knew no sin took our sin upon himself so that he could then give us his righteousness. That is the gospel. That's the meaning of the gospel. And it is the best news that anybody could ever Have, And we receive it by coming humbly with repentance, turning our back on our sin, and opening our lives to God. And while nobody here thinks they're going to die today, I I promise you with all my heart, there is an urgency about this. This is not to be, I'll think about this one day. Most of you have been thinking about it. That's not the issue. The issue is surrender. The issue is obedience. The issue is giving yourself unto God. There is an urgency for this. And you know what? For everybody here, there's an urgency that we live for God, that we live and our, that our lives exalt Him and we lift Him up and we make Him truly the master of our lives. And we find Scripture and we seek to obey Scripture and we pray and we share our, our, our treasures and we share the hope that we have in Christ with other people. Simon Peter said, it is time for the people of God to repent. <laughs> Judgment begins at the house of God. There's an urgency of our, even though we're already believers of giving ourselves fully and wholly to God. So I ask you to come today and talk with a pastor, pray with a pastor, pray at the front and offer yourself unto God. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray, and immediately at the end of my prayer, it'll be time for you to come. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us the gift that is above all gifts. Thank you for giving us hope and truth and a home and your own dear self as Savior. And Lord, Lord, please draw. I know you're drawing. I know you are drawing people to yourself. I know there are people here who are feeling drawn, feeling led. God, I pray that you would draw them and they would open themselves unto you. God, we love you. You are good. You are kind. You did, you made the ultimate sacrifice. And we thank you for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come now.